I know not with what weapons World War III will be fought, but World War IV will be fought with sticks and stones. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. Oh, yeah, baby, Albert Einstein. You know what? That's that's a very terrifying quote, isn't it? If you really think about it. Well, you see, a lot of people won't get it, but you know what? I do. Yeah, it's it's basically written by a genius, an actual genius, not your kind. Yeah, because of... you don't throw that quote around lightly, do you? No, no, no. The word genius. I never, I never use the word genius. You hate uh, it when I say <laughs> stuff's genius, and, and and also when I say stuff's great, you're like, well, is it great or is it just good? And I'm like, yeah. oh god. No, it's not, it's like last week. Uh, Suf Jan Stevens is very good. He's not a genius. Uh, I'd still disagree. But anyway, let's move on. Albert Einstein, Matt. What uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Albert Einstein. He did some stuff. Would you say he was your favourite messy-haired genius? Ooh, because there's a few of them, isn't there? What is it? What is it? He said about having the same. He's because he had the same outfit like times seven. I don't want choice to slow down, da- slow me down, or something. It's brilliant. Are you not getting him confused with Steve Jobs there? No, I don't think so. Well, I might look that quote up during the show, and we'll, we can finish. Yeah. And then you're going to apologise to me for even doubting. Do you know what? I think it may even be Isaac Newton that said that. Nah, I'm still right. But anyway, on to Space Command. Space <laughs> Command. i tell you what, eh? It's a bit kind of overblown, really, because um, back in 1985, mm. America established a Space Command. They did. The 11th Unified Combatant Command. And this is what some people don't realise, yes, that every branch mm. had a space force. In other words, Matt, requiring yeah. space hardware, right? Not, yeah. not, a, not a space army. Yeah, so the Air Force have got some space stuff, the Navy have got some space stuff, the Army have got some space stuff, and they've all got space stuff that they all use as well, so like sort of mm. shared space stuff. You've got to understand those unified combatant commands, though, because there's only 11 of them. Or, or thereabouts, and some of them are geographical, so you'd have something like the United States Africa Command, etc. Yes. And some of them are functional, or like US Special Operations Command or something like that, or US Transport Command as well, there's that mm. one. Uh, but Space Command was a functional one, not a geographical one, so it's not like it's you're sort of looking in space, it's more to do with how you're using the space hardware and all the assets in space. Yes. But after 9-11... Everyone realised that actually space wasn't as important as they thought it had. So it got, yeah. so it got hugely de-emphasised and got merged with what's known as the Joint Functional Component Command for Space and Global Strike. Rolls off the tongue. Yeah. And that, that, and that got rolled over into the Joint Functional Component Command for Space under the US Strategic Command. This is it. Old Pensy Boy announced it in the end 2018. Yep. we got to re-establish the Space Command. Yeah, Trump wanted to make sure that the Space 
became important again. But it wasn't going to be, even back in 2018 when they had that defence review, it wasn't going to be a unified combatant command. It was going to be like a sort of sub one, uh, um, under still under the under the US Strategic Command. Uh, but then uh, Trump in December went, no, he wants to make it full. So now, as of this week, it's been officially re-established as a new uh, US Space Command on and August I tell you what, He's going to have to do better at keeping hold of his secrets than he did this week. And we'll come on to that later. Yeah, 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 yeah. What an... I mean, <laughs> it's, like, it's like a sitcom. It is. But it's like, what's going to happen today? Are, are you going to do your Trump impression? It's a big deal. As the newest combatant command, Spacecom, will defend America's vital interest in space, the next warfighting domain. And I think it's pretty obvious to everybody, it's all about space. Which is, uh, that is, again, awful. We need to is work that, on our and it sounded like It sounded like Sean Connery. And as, as Eric Berger pointed out, my Chris Craft impression was the very worst Chris Craft impression he'd ever heard. Yeah, that might be the worst Trump impression he's ever heard. <laughs> uh, a big shout out to Eric. <laughs> I hope you're listening. Um, well, but, what about but, this one, though? What the uh, fight for supremacy among major powers on Earth is likely to breach the planet's atmosphere. Now, hang on a minute, Matt. Is that Dmitry Rogozin? Yeah. Big time. Well, it could only be. What an impression. Thanks, thanks. Slowly but surely we are heading towards this Roscosmos as no illusions about this. Everyone is working on it. Now, could we just go back to what Trump said about Spacecom will defend America's vital interests in space, the next warfighting domain? Irrelevant of what he's talking about with security, which is obviously needed. Why would you use those words? Uh, Warfighting do, do, domain. Do you know what? I'm I'm with Trump on this one. I, I have no. I'm not one of these. I'm not one <sighs> of these. No, li- listen, Jamie. I'm not one of these softies that thinks for some reason we we shouldn't even be contemplating war in space. The actual reality is, if there was a war and someone wanted to knock out America. If America did nothing about protecting its billions and billions of pounds worth of assets and and equipment in space, of course, but then but then they'd be do you doomed. Do need that they? wording? Well, no, but there's, there's, there seems I mean, to be inflammatory. It's no, I don't think it is. I think it's just. I think it is just realistic. You know, and and I, I'm not even sure Dimitri goes into having a go at Trump. There, he's he's kind of agreeing with him. So it's like, look, yeah, you know. We're we're on it as well because it, it is going to be a point yeah, where it's you inevitable. Have, it's inevitable. Just, that's it. I just, you know, it's just the word war fighting. That's just me. Well, yeah, I mean, I just think he's he's just. Uh, it, it's not ideal that what has been a peaceful place will turn into a battlefield. I just think he's a massive. Yeah, but you've got to be really... Remember, we've always said you've got to be super careful. Just get nail him on the things where he's wrong. I actually think he's right with, with, with space. 
I am going to stand... I just don't like him putting that word in there. That's all. But anyway, let's move on. Yeah, I think a lot of people got this confused with Space Force. It's not Space Force. No. That would be a whole new branch of the military that requires quite a lot of setting up. But Trump did announce that they wanted to make a Space Force. That's not actually in stone yet, but it certainly looks like it's going in that direction. Yes. And I think the Air Force if, would have some kind of transition. So the the head of the Air Force would, would head up internally Space Force within the Air Force, and then slowly that would um, peel out by 2024 and become a fully-fledged Space Force. Now, I can understand people getting more edgy about Space Force, but even then, I think Space Force is a really good idea. Cause, yeah. Because, yeah, I noticed that... Um, Old Niels deGrasse Tyson, he was mentioning, well, Space Force could act as guardians against space debris and asteroid defence. That's what we need. And actually, he's right. That that would be really, really good, wouldn't it? It'd be. I tell you what would be interesting is what nations are going to have their own strategic space commands or their equivalent of over the next five or six years. I'd imagine Matt, a, lot, a lot will step up. That. Matt, what would you do if I called you next week and I said, look, secretly, I haven't been doing my normal job. I've been training as an asteroid defence officer. I think that would be really cool. You'd love that, wouldn't you? Yeah, if, if what, if we if we had a regular asteroid defence host? Yeah. yeah and you good. could like say, oh, what have you been up to this week? And I'd be like, yeah, just shooting some asteroids and that. <laughs> <laughs> no, attaching... do, you reckon it's more, do you reckon it's more complex than that? No, I think you'd need to attach giant metal beams and flywheels and get them to swim like jellyfish out of Earth's orbit. Oh, don't get me started back on that. Back I'll tell you drama. what, Matt. Mm. Can we move on to happier times? Because I am itching well, to we're talk not, about we're... a certain subject. Yeah, but before we do that, we've got to, stay, we've got to stick to military and just mention... <sighs> Come on, we've got to mention up, Trump's, Trump's... Well, you said we were going to talk about it. We've got to mention Trump's classified satellite Oh, picture. God. Yes, let's do that first. Yeah, so Iran tried to launch uh, a Safir SLV, which is, which is their kind of small launch vehicle. Mm. And um, it's obviously completely blown up on the launch pad and taken out with their, you know, one of their important launch pads. And Trump just basically put a picture on Twitter and was talking about it. Now, clearly, it's far too articulate for it to have been Trump actually writing mm. <laughs> for a start off. So it's obviously not him. It's obviously been put out by someone that's much more knowledgeable using Trump's Twitter handle just to get the picture out. But basically, yeah, it's an, it's an incredible picture of the launching site with all the burns and all the damaged vehicles and scorch mm. marks and everything else. It's an incredible picture, but it's like, where did that picture come from? And and, and word up to Twitter legends Christian Tribert and Ankit Panda, who yes. um, who had this massive long tra like Twitter trail of trying to work out what it might have been, and they seem to think it was a KH-11 satellite. And if we've mentioned these before. They're the spy satellites that are essentially exactly like Hubble telescope, except pointing mm. down at the ground. That's right. Uh, in fact, Hubble is a clone of them rather than them being a clone of 
Hubble. Ah, didn't know that. Well, yeah, apparently, yeah, the, the Hubble's mirror, for example, is smaller than they wanted because these satellites were already being built and all the machinery for building the mirrors at that size were already in existence, blah blah I mean, lots of that going on and that the, the space shuttle cargo bay was specifically built for KH-11s and, and, the, and the predecessors and things like that. But yes, USA-224 was one of the latest KH-11s. Super, super advanced, and uh, yeah, that would have been in the right place at the right time to take that picture. It's very it intriguing. Was yes. it, I mean, the resolution is insane. If it was a spy sat, that is absolutely incredible. But it yeah. could have been a drone, of course. It could have been. I like the flash in the middle of the photo where Trump or someone has clearly just taken a photo of their iPad or whatever it they get their daily briefing on. No, I'll just stick this up online. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> it does. It does no, seem. It does seem secret about this. Well, it does. It, all it. I guess it just massive display of of technical. Of we know. Yeah, we know yeah, what you're doing. Prowess. We got you. And, it wasn't and, us. Might and, have been someone else. Yeah, and America have used these sort of things before. They've, you know, in the middle of meetings with with China and Russia and things like that to de-escalate military action. They've often popped out the odd photo taken by uh, a spy satellite that sort of says, mm. yeah, we, kn we know what you're up to, so if we can just give it all a miss now, it'd be great. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so that, you know, they could, they could have averted World War Three several times, these spies. Would it spy worry satellites. you, Matt, if I if I tweeted you a an aerial photo of you, like on may maybe sort of on the way to the pub, and I said, you know, I know what you're up to, You've told your partner that you're off for a, for a walk just to get some milk. Mm -hmm. And I saw you going in the local nag's head. With a beautiful man. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Oh, dear. Yeah, well, I'll be fine, yeah. ja Jamie. Sometimes the truth has to come out. Oh, it does, doesn't it? It's always better that way. It's the third Sapphire out of four launches that has failed. That's absolutely useless. And not only <sighs> that, Iran have tried to launch three times and they've all failed this year. So they are having a stinker of a rocket year yeah. if ever there was one. Not good so, for them. So, yeah. so shall we move on to happier times? Oh, please, because I really want to talk about Star Hopper. Star Hopper. I mean, just like the twin rockets landing that wonderful time when we were itching with excitement. Mm -hmm. I mean, how how sci-fi was this? Tuesday evening, SpaceX Starhopper test. Yeah, the moment it happened, I showed it to Loretta and the kids. I said, look at this. And, and they thought it was an animation. Yeah, it's like a graphic. It looks goes, like go, animation. They sort of, yeah, they say, what, what, what's that? It's just, and I said, no, 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 this has just happened. What, what it's real. Yeah, a yeah. giant a giant water tower or a sort of 1950s sci-fi spaceship. That's the thing. Uh, so much higher than last month's test, mm. up to 150 metres. Uh, and Matt, this is one single Raptor engine. Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine what 34 of them are going to be like, all <laughs> blasting together. <laughs> but the, the, the impressive thing is, this is like the first Raptor engine. And by the way, not only is it the first Raptor engine, it is the first methane liquid oxygen engine 
to have flown. So that engine is really impressive. But do you reckon old Jeff is uh, is looking on with a bit of green-eyed jealousy? Yeah, because obviously he's working on a methane engine, the BE4, and that hasn't flown yet. And it has yeah. sold. I mean, you know, he sold the BE4, so everyone's obviously confident that it can. Got a bit more thrust. Yeah. Maybe that's not everything, Matt. No. But the fact that you can build... A new, a completely new engine design, and a complicated one as well. Because yes, the difference between uh, Bezos and Musk is uh, Musk has managed this full flow staged combustion, which makes mm. them more efficient. Means it can run at lower temperatures, which means it can last longer. And of course, this is all about reusability. This so, is the key. Yeah. So, but the fact that you can build a brand new engine design and it can work well enough that it can you, you you can vector it up and down and it can be used to to hold a giant water tower up in the air and and, and land it exactly where x marks the spot I it's mean, actually that, incredible it's, that is it's it is totally isn't it? like mental. how hard must that be that how still it was it was oh, just floating very very impressive this isn't a light thing is it no. And that's that's a big old hunk of metal. Well, it's just the control, just the control using a completely brand new design. It's amazing. That's what my Tinder profile used to say, big old hunk of metal. No, I thought it was small but impressive. So, Matt, can, we, can I ask you some questions about why methane, please? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you can. So you have to avoid coke foaming in your rockets, and I don't mean cocaine or the drink. Mm-hmm. But it's a good advantage over the RP1, right? Exactly. Methane, because it's a simple hydrocarbon, it burns and it doesn't leave all this coking on the inside. With that, but that's all about reusability again. So you can use it and use it and use it and the engines don't coke up. And am I right in thinking that it has lighter exhausts? Lighter exhaust. So apparently it has a higher ISP than RP1. But okay. here's the downside. It's not as dense. Oh. It's not as dense as RP1. So obviously your tanks have to be bigger. So it's actually not as efficient as RP1 it, overall. When you when you factor in, you have to have a larger rocket to contain the less dense um, liquid methane. But but it but does it's burn more, cooler. Yeah, it's cooler. So it's just better for reusable engines. And as uh, as old Bobby Z would love, is the fact that it can be made on Mars using the Sabatier ah, process. Yes. And so you can make methane quite easily from the planet's CO2 atmosphere. So just ship some hydrogen to Mars, you know, sorted. Yep. Done. Uh, Let's but, convert it. And here's another one. Go you on. can pressurise the tanks using the same gas. So it's an autogenous pressurization. Oh, come on. You know what that's got to be now? No, that well, that was Space Word of the Week a long time ago. We, I think we had it on, I think it was like episode 112 or something. We had autogenous oh, pressurization. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. God. And of course, um, just like uh, liquid oxygen, for example, it's cryogenic. So as it goes round the engine bell, it can cool it down and cool down all the parts before you use it in the cryogenic me river. So really, it's only the BE4 and the and the Raptor that are sort of fully fledged. ESA, of mm. course, have got Prometheus. Oh yeah, now we're talking. That's only half the fr- thrust of the Raptor. 
So that's more like a Merlin in kind of thrust. Um, but compare that, right, Jamie, to the F1. So 900 kilonewtons of thrust for the Prometheus, about 2,000 for the Raptor. The mm. F F1 on Saturn V was 9,000. And the SLS solid rocket boosters of 16,000 kilonewtons of thrust. Jeez. So, yeah, that's yeah. That's, that's a lot. There's also that's big. Well, what's what's uh, Falcon Falcon Heavy going to be? Falcon Heavy or Super Heavy? Let's say Super Heavy. Yeah, Super Heavy. How how many how many I can't remember how now. How many Raptor engines? How many Raptor engines has Super Heavy got? How many Raptor I love hearing you type. That sounds 34. like a Drake song, doesn't it, Matt? I love hearing you type. Uh, thirty-five. <laughs> I love, I love it when you just ignore me. Um, yeah, so Sorry. thirty-five. Well, that was because I was thinking. Seven, that would be seventy thousand, wouldn't it? Seventy thousand kilonewtons of thrust. That's, that's quite nuts, isn't it? That's that's a lot of thrust. That's a lot it of is. thrust. Yeah, in fact, it's an insane amount of thrust. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, oh, yeah. It's actually it's about the same as Saturn V, isn't it? If you add them up, it it, it was um eighteen thirty six. Oh no! So it's if double, you want your double, if you Saturn want your stake, if you want your steak well done, mm -hmm. just wait till the super heavy burns away. Mm -hmm. Stick your steak on a fork, put it under for a second. What do you reckon? I reckon eviscerated rather than, than rare. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Oh, dear. But we shouldn't get too excited, should we? No. Well, the reason I say that, Matt, do you remember what happened in 93? The Delta Clipper. The, DC, yeah. the DCX. Sounds like a boss pedal. It does. I mean, McDonnell Douglas, yeah? Mm -hmm. Remember the test. You mm -hmm. can see it on YouTube. We'll put a link up online. Yeah, so McDonnell Douglas built the DCX, and they they actually built it almost out of frustration because NASA didn't want anything to do with it. And it was, to, it was to show that you could have a reusable rocket booster going up and then back down again. So if you watch the video, 1993 is this... Um, almost an identical clip to the Starhopper clip of a rocket going up in the air, hovering a bit, and then coming back down to land after crabbing over by yes. about 100 metres and coming back down again. So it's almost yes. absolutely identical. So McDonnell Douglas did that way back in 1993. Then NASA took the project on really grudgingly, and it became the DCXA and... You've got to bear in mind that this is a suborbital uh, machine. So it was supposed to be a rocket that would go right the way up and then come back down again without trying to get the speed to become orbital. Mm. But NASA were much more into that idea of having a space plane. So a space plane that, that when it comes back down, it lands on landing gear, a bit like the space shuttle and the X-37B wings. And it was working with Lockheed on a thing called the Venture Star. But um, D DCXA crashed because they were pushing all the employees so hard that they made a few mistakes. It crashed, and uh, so NASA just didn't want to spend another $60 million or whatever it was building, no. uh, building another one. So they carried on with VentureStar that eventually just got cancelled. For, for They just cancelled it because there was a few problems. And so neither of those things went went on. But you know what's very interesting about the what happened to those overworked employees of that worked on oh, yeah. DCX? 
What do you reckon? They went on to uh, join Blue Origin and design New Shepard, ah, of course. And of okay. course, New Shepard is obviously a very similar vehicle in the fact that it goes right the way up and right the way back well, down again. The sub, let the me suborbital uh, rocket booster, yeah. Do you think that the DCX could become the Mars slash Moon SSTO lander? Single stage to orbit lander, yes. I reckon it... Uh, well... I think that they I remember that remember on the show we talked about the Lockheed Martin Mars lander. That actually do. that does actually look a lot like DCX, even though it's yeah. Lockheed, of course, they're utter rivals. So yeah, I mean the thing is, yeah, the DCX would actually work easily, as would New Shepard, really, but DCX would work really easily on uh, to get out of Mars and Moon atmosphere. It could do it. If it was if if it could do it on Earth, it could do it. It could do it on the moon or Mars. So, yes, it would be good as a sub-orbital vehicle for either of those applications. Love it. Mm. Pretty cool, huh? Oh, way cool, man. So, so it wasn't a big, as big a deal as, as you'd have thought when you watched the video, as in... In 1993, it had kind of all a complete repeat of it had already been done. However, the really exciting bit is that now Starhop has done its bit they're now building the Starship orbital pro prototypes in both Texas and Florida. So there's now an internal competition at SpaceX to build the perfect machine of destiny. Oh, my God. And I tell you what, you mentioned the word destiny. Mm -hmm. If you want to have a total geek out, which I know, Matt, you love to do, don't you? Mm -hmm. There's only place one place you need to go, mm -hmm. and that's estracnow.isa.int. And you can select a mission or a ground station and see what's talking to what. Do you know what? I went on this last night. It's ace. Good, isn't it? I went on. I could see that Mars Express at the time was talking to the new Nosia dish in Australia. And yeah, I, could see like that I, could see it was, I could see it was raining in Australia. And it was going to have acquisition of signal in 48 minutes and mm. then it would be tracked for five hours. And the distance to the signal was a mere 400 million kilometres. Is that all? And I could also see that the Marlage station in Argentina was talking to oh. both ExoMars and Gaia. So, yeah, it's it it quite cool. So you can check up on your favourite ESA space that satellite. That is a gang. Yeah, and, oh. and, see, and see what the hell's going on. Talking about what the hell's going on, mm -hmm. I'll tell you what is going on with James Webb. Mm -hmm. It's only been put together for the first time, Matt. <laughs> Telescope uh, and Sunshield locked in place. Did you see the pictures? They were very they're, they're super cool. It looks like a sort of giant thing is praying mantis. Matt, it looks like a praying we mantis. We got so excited about James Webb, mm -hmm. and then we realized that we're gonna be like 94 before. <laughs> anything happens before it goes so wrong then, in so space. then we got really sad about it and i didn't want to start looking up at pictures no oh okay you know? oh no it's like a, it's like holding a carrot in front of a poor donkey yeah, come on jamie it's not long now it's not long now talking, talking so wait of, what you're saying is i might get a bite of the carrot mm -hmm. talking of frank oh my to, god talking of franklin's that might get a bite oh, of the carrot yeah. jamie oh yeah the roslyn franklin exo mars rover They've finished building it in the UK. So all, Get out of all, here. all those legends like Abby Hutty and that lot, they've finished building uh, uh, the ExoMars rover. 
Now it's got to go to France, where it's got to be tested under the conditions of the red planet's environment. Oh, so, my goodness. So it's not far away from being tested. If Let's just hope. Let's just hope that the parachutes that are being developed are developed in time for the 2020 launch window. Well, good luck to everyone involved. And talking of good luck, Matt, mm. Hurricane Dorian. I think Dorian. Yeah. I think we're going to go with Dorian. A bit like... You should know that because, oh, of yeah. course, it's a, a musical scale. Well, I'll tell you who is a genius. <laughs> uh, the, the, person, the person who said that they should nuke hurricanes... Do you think um, that's? Do you think that's, that's a genius? Donald Trump. He's you- such a genius. Oh, I'll tell you what. There's one way to sort the weather out. The nuke it's it. to nuke it. Yeah. Well, uh, Trump. Uh, not only Trump's been talking about nuking, but Musk's been back on his nuking Mars thing again, hasn't he? On to happier things again. Um, mm. Our friends at the space store, Matt, which we haven't visited yet, but we're going to next month. I can't wait. Um, this is in uh, Didcot. Mm-hmm. Um, not far from Oxford. Um, I'd like you all, if you've got time, to type this into your browser, www.spacestore.co forward slash events. You need to see what's coming up in September. Do you like a little run through, Matt? Do it. Do it. Give me them. So I will, so I'll go through. So they've got various things coming up on the, on the 5th the 12th, the 19th, and the 26th. Oh, maybe even the 21st and 22nd. OMG. So, just a little run-through. They've got Edward Jameson from Oxford Space Systems, revolutionising space structures, the new space approach. We'd like that one, wouldn't we? Yeah, big time. What What, have they, what, what next have they got, Matt? Uh, they, then they've got Angus Braithwaite from Reaction yeah. Engines. That's right, the, pe- the people that are building the Sabre and previously building Skylon, the company that Alan Bond helped found. And uh, he's what? and Angus Braithwaite is going to be talking about unlocking hypersonic flight and space access. Jeez Louise. Well, what about this one? Chris Pearson from RAL Space. That'd Alien be- Worlds and Ariel. Enabling planetary science across light years. That's my kind of one. That's quite good, isn't it? And, of course, there's the Royal County of Berkshire show. Uh, And Space Store are going to have a stand there. Uh, So, yeah, go visit. So, just to reiterate, www.spacestore.co forward slash events. If you haven't visited their website... Please go on it because I want everything for Christmas. And you've got loads of time because Christmas is ages away. <laughs> Buy me everything on there, please. Lots of virtual reality stuff. Ah, oh, tell you what, Matt, that's what we need to do first when we go down there is do the tr- – you can try on a real spacesuit. Oh, yeah, no, I can't wait. I'm doing it. Oh, my God. So let's talk about space habitats because we haven't talked about that enough on the podcast. I just wanted some final thoughts on space habitats, Jamie. Let's do it. Because – We've been having a little bit of a discussion on the Discord channel, and um, Rob, whose idea it was in the whole first place to do Space Habitats, he brought up a guy called Bjark Ingels of Big, the Bjark Ingels group. Now, he is clearly an absolute architectural whiz. You kind of like modern day Norman Foster, I would I would guess. And he a few years ago and um put together a thing called the Mars Science City that mm. was um 
that United Arab Emirates want just outside of Dubai. Yes. So this is like a massive... Um, it looks a bit like, to be fair, it does actually look a bit like the Eden Project. And we talked about how the Eden Project itself was built from that special material, EFTE. And, That's uh, right. And uh, that they use for sort of space domes or want to use for space domes. So it does look a bit like that. But as Rob rightly points out, he's much more into the idea that we shouldn't just be repeating that idea of of the suburban nuclear family home, i.e. No. you've got this, um, you know, just a house, a bit like, you know, we were talking about Marsha last week and and, yeah. and those kind of habitats where it's just a, a single kind of house-type habitat. And he's saying that that's flawed, and he said that if you read, read Kim Stanley Robinson's books, he kind of moves away from those as well. And um, this whole idea of having an enormous kind of dome like you do at the Eden Project and stuff like that, where you can have multiple mm. habitations underneath one roof so it's much more connected, there's much more of a community there, et cetera, et cetera, is much more realistic. But what's incredible about the uh, the um, Bjark Ingels Mars simulation is – that that is that is now currently being built. So in a, in a couple of years' time, you can actually go and visit it, and and it's going to work as a sort of museum. It's going to be a Mars uh, uh, oh, analog nice. habitat, and I'm so go. so yeah, it's 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 going to be one of those places where it, it's actually going to be a bit mind blowing when you actually go in there. It's, of course, it's built in the desert, so that it's got some it's got some connection to the fact that it's it's a little bit like. And it has to be completely self-sustaining, so so that they're actually sort of developing it, and their whole plan is to actually build. The United Arab Emirates have stated a, a an aim to be on Mars with a city like this in the next one hundred years. So that's uh, pretty pretty mad. It was quite funny when I tweeted it and put it on Instagram. People weren't very happy about the regime in United Arab Emirates and et cetera, et cetera. And they're saying, oh, you know, I hope that the uh, the astronauts are going to be female and stuff. So there was a lot of ribbing because of the people doing it. And I kind of agree, but, but hey, you know, any information is information, isn't it? And that, that it will um, undoubtedly add to the information pool, I think. Absolutely. And we have to be careful, don't we, not to get too much politics you know, yeah. Even though we in, obviously in, do with Trump involved, but we do with Trump. No, but I mean, you know, when you sort of yeah, you talk about like an Israeli launch, and people are like, "Why are you promoting that?" Because of the what they're doing with Palestine, and it's like, well, yeah, where where does it end? Where does it end? You know, I don't think it's I don't well, think it's, it's the like, right yeah. people being involved. Yeah, you know, I'm sure anyway. people could say, "Why are we talking about a British launch site when all the horrors that yeah. Britain has done over the centuries?" Oh, God, yeah. Let's not talk about our dictator. I kind of formulated my final thoughts on space habitat on space okay. habitation on the Discord channel, and we, you know, we had a little bit of. Two Matt, if you wanted to join the Discord channel, mm -hmm. how would one go about it? What one would do is one would go on to Patreon, mm. find Interplanetary Podcast or Patreon.com. Yeah forward slash interplanetary uh, or go to our website and click through there and become a Skylon patron where you get automatically added onto the Patreon channel. What, you mean you can support the podcast and but also get added benefits? Yeah, added benefits 
you get your t-shirt and you get uh, the chance to shape the ch- show just like our Hang on a minute. Patrons have. You're telling me that I get merch too? Mm-hmm. By the way, Matt, is this podcast free? It is totally free, Jamie. Oh, it's, my it's, God. it's also a lot of work. Are we are we mental? <laughs> Jamie, yeah. I want to give you my final thoughts on space habitats. Oh, I love your final thoughts. Here we go. Is everyone sitting comfortably? The thought of going to Mars first and setting up a research yeah. base or a settlement before you totally nailed it somewhere else, i.e. the moon, is utterly mm. ridiculous. Do you know what it's like, Matt? Go on. It's like me running a marathon without beating you in a 100-metre race first. I mean, yeah, what's the point? Exactly. Well, Silly. No, it's a bit like you running the marathon without doing any half marathons first. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's very, very dangerous. Yeah, well, it'd just be ridiculous. Well, it, I mean, yeah, it actually could cause death, as I think going to yeah. Mars without fully prepping on the moon would, would be. It'd be just death. We're in agreement. Yeah, and I think... Um, Rob agreed with this that O'Neill and his ilk were too optimistic about um, uh, about space habitats built out in space, although I really like them. They, they, they've become much more of a realistic idea to me since doing this. But, of course, mm. we'll have to have had, um, you know, we can't get the materials up from Earth to do these things. It's just preposterous. In fact, I noticed that the, the, um, the ring in Elysium, in the film Elysium, the Stanford Taurus in, mm. in, in the film Elysium, if you were to try and just build that from raw materials, it would be a thousand years of Earth's production of steel just for the material. Jeez. Uh, and to and to have sort of launch it would be even more mental. So we have to have um, some other way of doing it, i.e. space manufacturer. Just, I think you're right. Just going to do a boots-on-the-ground mission is dangerous and counterproductive. I think we just need to get to the moon and start, you know, trying out all these habitation ideas and and working out how we're going to use space materials and get 3D printing, additive processes, ISRU, all of that stuff. And it's becoming a race, isn't it? It's like, why don't we work together, put the best minds together, make it happen. Absolutely. So, yeah, in short... Get to the moon, set up a base, nail ISRU and space manufacturing, uh, get a large infrastructure together, start getting over some uh, near-Earth objects like big asteroids, utilising them for space infrastructure, and then we're ready to go to Mars. I'm going to vote for you, Matt. It's not gonna, we're not going to go to Mars in my lifetime, apart from maybe a solo mission that gets there stands on there for a bit and then comes back again. But but that that seems ridiculous when it's a sort of year and a half round trip to do just that. Yeah, but you realise that I'm gonna freeze you and then wake you up. If you do that when be, it's that... all when it's happening and you and you're like, what what year is this? I'm like, it's thirty 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 three. Oh yes. The year of the Mars habitats. Let's go, Matt. Earth is a crisp. Don't but don't worry, you're in a deep freeze, orbiting a deceased Earth, but we're on our way to Mars to join the thousands of other podcasters. Ah, <laughs> oh, that'd be beautiful. Do you know what? You'd love that. Wouldn't I would you? actually love that, Jamie. Thanks very much. Is that one? Is that my birthday present? Cryogenically freezing. That's your birthday present. I'm going to deep freeze you, but you don't know when you're going to do it. I'm just going to walk up to you one day <laughs> and on the back of the head. <laughs> I'm going to knock you out. Put put inject you in the head, 
and then that's it. Mm. Deep freeze, so, hand solo for about a hundred years. Anything, Brilliant, anything mate. that Harrison Ford's done is good enough for me. On the Discord channel, we also did speak a little bit about storage, energy storage, which is a really, really oh. interesting area, Jamie. We need to make a trip to Dinorwig, by the way. I haven't heard of Dinorwig. Well, it, What's it, going it, on there? It's a big, massive hydro pump energy storage system for the national grid. It's like a vital part of the national grid where particularly, you know, at the end of soap operas and everyone yeah. goes and switches the kettle on and flushes the yeah. toilet and things like that. They, there's a massive spike in demand right at the end of, of the soap operas for electricity as a result. And so you need this instant sort of almost like battery storage. And what and what Dinorwig is, is you've, you've pumped a load of water to a, a lake at the top of a mountain, and then you mm. allow it to all flow back down again, turning turbines and adding this electricity back into the grid. So it's like a massive sort of big water battery that's quite interesting because I didn't think people watch TV all at the same time anymore. Well, it's just on demand. Well, exactly but that. I guess yeah, exactly. Well, not. that that sort of stuff I guess is dying now. I mean, you still you still have it, Jamie. It, it's it's about apart from mm. when we release the podcast yeah, every exactly. week. Exactly. So they're, they're, when it finishes, when, hundreds of millions of people are flushing the toilet, ex- aren't they? Exactly. So you need that kind of energy storage. But well, the reason why we brought it up, I think, is because. All this research into energy storage and all these all these things about making it more efficient because they, they brought up these Dutch eco homes where there's energy storage on site. So during the summer, the the energy is taken out of the system and buried underground, and then during the winter, that's that energy is then used to heat up the homes. So it's like you're going both ways, if you see what I mean. Good is that? Oh yeah, uh, and so ACDC. Yeah, so it's it's like what you know, doing that sort of stuff and investigating that sort of stuff and becoming self sufficient actually helps the world become more efficient and maybe will help you know with all these things like global warming catastrophes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Oh, I love that. We need to go, Jamie. Next week, I'm not going to do it this week. I want to talk about Matt. God, talk about the ego has landed. This Matt is a, is a terraforming project. It's it's the Mars what? terraforming transfer, or uh-huh. or Matt. I see what you did it there. Is, I love it. It's very very cool. So let's talk about that next week because we've kind of run out of time, haven't we? We've gone up to fifty minutes. We are, we promise listeners that we will be getting back to not just our drivel. But other people's drivel. So interviews are coming back soon. Yeah, and we got some. We got some good ones lined up, haven't we? Oh, big time! So stay tuned. We, well, we've got got one with Space Bandits next week. It's busy times for us, isn't it? But Matt, I tell you what. Just like Albert Einstein, as busy as we are, we wear the same clothes every day. Albert Einstein was also known for owning several variations of the same grey suit so that he wouldn't have to waste time and brain power deciding on which outfit to wear every morning, then essentially wear the same thing every day. And so did Steve Jobs. What's the conclusion here? What, what, do you, what have you got to say to me? Sorry, Jamie, you were correct. It was, it was Albert Einstein that also did That's that. That's all right, yeah. Matt. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you why, Matt. I'll tell you why it's okay, because I love you, and you're oh. a great man. And even though we may disagree on some things... That will be constant <laughs> in the universe. It's a constant. Yeah. What, what else is a constant in the universe, Matt? There's the Hubble constant. Might not be a constant, no. 
Nothing's really a constant. Well, I'll tell you what, Matt, we should we should say to people, if you disagree with your friend about something, it's okay, isn't it? It's okay to disagree. In fact, some would say it's healthy. <laughs> I'll tell you what isn't healthy, Matt. The breakfast I'm going to go and eat, I'm going to cook some bacon, mm-hmm. camembert cheese melted over the top of it, sriracha mayonnaise on top of that. What do you think about that? I like it. It's nothing special, but it's, just, it's it's good. So what are you up to now, Matt? I am up to editing the podcast, Yeah. Uh, marking two dissertations that apparently I didn't mark, and then I've got <sighs> to hurry up and do that as well. And then my Saturday will be over. Then I'm going back to work and, and it's all over, the holidays. And I feel as though I haven't oh. been on holiday, Jamie. It's most gross. Yeah, that is most gross. Well, on Brighton News, I'm off to check my hydro pump, make sure it's all working. A bit of manual adjustment of your hydro pump. Oh, just a little bit of adjustment. So if you'd enjoyed this show, I'd like you to head to your local browser and type in www.interplanetary.org.uk Check us out on social media. Maybe, as we said just earlier, become a patron. I mean, would you do that for us? Beautiful if you did. Beautiful, wouldn't it? Jamie, Jamie, Jamie. Have a good weekend, everybody. And remember, look up at Mars and you will see Matt in the future. Goodbye. Bye-bye, Spodcats. Au revoir.